Hello, and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast by Providence Church in Omaha, Nebraska. My name is Gabriel, and I'm joined by my two friends, Andrew Rutten. Andrew, can you say hello? Hello. And Benjamin Webb, or Ben Webb. You go by Ben or Benjamin? Ben is just fine. Ben is just fine. And you might recognize Ben. He's one of our greeters at Providence. Uh, On Sunday morning, you'll probably see Ben just outside (laughs) welcoming you with a smile and handshake. But a little little known fact about Ben is he's actually like uh, a... He's been through Bible school. You've been through master's school, and you actually like uh, have like a full library, full chock full of like theology books, and like you love to think <laughs> about uh, God like a lot of the time. Mm. Would you say that's correct? <laughs> Very true. Uh, there's a lot of people that when they visit, they weep thinking about the day to help me move. So, oh my <laughs> <goodness>. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we asked Ben to write um, on our last sola or the fifth sola, I should say, um, the glory of God alone or to the glory of God alone sola deo gloria soli deo gloria Mm -hmm. so as you may or may not know we've been going through the solas um, over the past five weeks and we've kind of skipped around but we've come to what is traditionally the last sola the glory of God alone and so Ben as you were doing your research and studying like why is the glory of God saved for the last sola and not why not like the first sola or one in the middle like yeah, that. right. That's that's a great question. Uh, the The glory of God is something that cannot be ignored because it's all throughout Scripture. Uh, that it something that cannot be ignored, that should not be insulted, reduced. God is concerned with it. Jesus is concerned with it. Uh, the disciples and we, in turn, should be concerned with it. So you see, in church history, the reformers desperately wanted to see the church that they love, that Jesus loves, to respond to their main and plain emphasis, to return back to the main and plain things of Scripture and the glory of God being of the chief concern, that if we get these things done well, we can give him more glory that he deserves. And so the, uh, the church at the time, the Roman Catholic Church, uh, that they were protesting Protestant Reformation against, they wanted them to reform from the ways of, that their, the structures they had set in place competed with the, the Bible or, or Jesus. So the traditions of the church will compete against theirs. So the Reformation, the five solas, is a let's get back to the main and plain things. And so the, the fifth sola, the glory of God, that if you're emphasizing by Christ alone, by faith alone, all of these things of the crucial elements, the essentials of our Christian faith, that if you get those things done right and proclaimed well and often, the glory of God must become our chief concern is mm. something that comes as a natural result. So I believe that's why they put that last to hammer home the point mm. that what's important to God should be important to us, giving him the glory. Mm. That's good. So it's almost kind of like a, so what to all the other solas? Like, mm. why do all those things exist? I would say it's a, it's a decent way to think of it. Yes. Yeah. Mm. That's good. And so, I mean, this obviously begs the question, like, what is the glory of God? Like, <laughs> you know, like, I feel like they're in my, in most maybe like uh, Christian mindsets, the glory of God is like uh, some sort of, it's a concept, obviously. Hmm. But yeah, what what is the glory of God? <laughs> <laughs> if you can summarize that, uh, you know, profound truth in yeah. a couple sentences. <laughs> oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that just shows you the love right there of uh, something that they assigned me here uh, with, the, yeah. with the articles and podcasts that... Talk about the very thing that time and time again in scripture renders men 
scared or speechless. Go ahead and talk about it. Uh, but uh, but uh, yeah, the glory of God is was important to me to try to understand uh, a way that we can try to grasp it that doesn't reduce, dismiss, insult. It's difficult, right? Uh, the language, we have our limits. Uh, as human beings, we have our limits of understanding. Um, in, in scripture, it says we see, we see through a mirror dimly. So we have limits of what we can see, but God does reveal himself uh, very graciously over and over in wonderful ways, uh, creation, his word, and Jesus Christ that we can grasp what we need to. And so the God's glory, uh, wrestling with that, uh, just coming to the idea of all, that, all the attributes that he is, just, love, holy, all these things that you can list, and all the things that he does, creation, sustaining creation, uh, addressing the problem of sin by going to the extraordinary length of taking on flesh, dwelling among us, going to the cross to die for our sins and raising from the grave on the third day um, so that we can stand with him in victory. That all of that's all of who he is and all of what he does is this beautiful essence um, that uh, I, I'm thinking of, uh, like when you're thinking of perfumes, the really potent quote unquote good stuff <laughs> just needs a drop and what happens? It fills the room. Right, mm. so I'm, when I'm thinking of something, the essence of God, as difficult that, as that is to grab a hold of, it has to be something that is potent enough that it fills all of us mm. in what we do. And so that's, uh, that is why I came up with the, the summary that I did to try to reflect that. So. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I love this one sentence you wrote in your blog. Uh, you said, God's glory is all of who he is and all of what he does in a magnificent and beautiful essence and yeah that word essence isn't one you hear often but i do think it fits appropriately yeah, yeah. i'm thinking of like um isaiah 6 where it says holy holy mm, holy yes is the lord god almighty the whole earth is filled with his glory um and yeah so there is like a sense that it is actually sort of like a tangible thing right like mm. um obviously maybe not on this side of eternity but in the new heavens mm. and the new earth like god's glory will outside outshine is outshine the sun is that what it says Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I believe the language is uh, Revelation 21 right. that in, the, in what we would know to be the sun, the reliability of it, that is no more. It is replaced with it, it is the, the light is him, is, yeah. is his glory, which is hard, a little bit to, to grasp, but yeah. beautiful to think about. I look forward to it so much. Hmm. Yeah. And so thinking along the lines of the whole earth being filled with the glory and us being in creation and in the earth, what does God's glory have to do with us? Mm. Yeah. Uh, God's glory is um, something that we get to um, wrestle with in terms of how do we respond to what he has revealed and given us to be able to do. Um, so God's glory is, is uh, something that we are understandably lacking a bit in ourselves as, as sinners. Uh, we, yes, we are made in his image, but we do have that problem of sin hmm. where often, you know, Paul in, in Romans alluded to, why do I do the things I don't want to do? And I do, you know, that, that, that kind of wordplay that he does, but it touches on a very crucial truth that 
we're made in his image. We are made for relationship with him and with one another in, in a pure and holy, God-honoring way. But we understand that there's something very strong in us that we are born in sin. This sin is so close to us that it fractures, it threatens to damage those things that are very, very good. Um, and so we, we recognize that God deserves this solely, all that we can give. But when we, when we turn the corner, try to think of, well, what can I do today? Uh, and life gets going, you know, the kids wake up or you have to go to work and all that. And somebody cuts you off in traffic. All of a sudden you're, you're in the flesh. You're, you're wrestling with that very real problem of, yeah. of sin. And so we, we, we do wrestle with what giving him what he deserves. Um, but uh, it's, it's something that from day to day, it's not something to beat ourselves over the head with, but it is something that the more we, the more we walk with the Lord, it is something that, like in a relationship, but much more so, just it, it's you, you, your thoughts and your heart more and more go to him and, and what, uh, who he is and what he's done for you. Um, yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I love about that idea of, you know, what does this have to do with us is, so Ben, you mentioned before that as we look through scripture, when God um, manifests himself in some way, people actually come to encounter the glory of God, they fall on their face. You see mm -hmm. this with, you know, Elijah on the mountain covers his face. He can't look at the glory of God. Moses couldn't look at the glory of God. Prophets like Isaiah and Ezekiel couldn't like stand. When John sees the revelation at the end, he falls as if he was dead, right? There's this there's this great separation between us and the glory of God, and it causes men, when you actually encounter that, to just fall in utter humility. Um, but one of the things that I love is that if you go back to Genesis 1 and 2, before sin entered the world, um, God created human beings to be fully with him, right? And so mm -hmm. his glory was in the garden. He, he was walking with Adam and Eve. And so this this like magnificent idea of God's glory, this stuff that we can't even quite nail down, like how good it is and what it would feel like an experience. And we get little tastes of it, but the fullness of that was to be enjoyed by human beings. So we were created to, to walk with God and his glory. And so all of the amazing attributes of God were given to us, essentially. I mean, we were, we were to be able to walk with him. And then, like you mentioned, with sin entering into the world, with sin in us, um, there's just this great separation between us and God to where now we can't even begin to see the actual like glory of God without mm. feeling that separation. Um, because, you know, it, it, like you said, Gabe, in Isaiah 6, 3, it talks about the, the holiness of God. It says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the earth is full of his glory. And I remember John Piper once said that um, he thought that verse was interesting because it, he thought it should say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his holiness, right? But he says, glory. And he, he said that he thought that glory is one way uh, of, of God um, actually showing and revealing his holiness, his, mm. his set-apartness. And so when we talk about God's glory, it's kind of how we see how other he is, how separated he is, how good he is, how great mm. he is. Uh, and us in our sin, um, we can't do that without falling on our face. Like We mm. can't actually walk with him anymore because of sin. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so I think it's, it's just interesting to note that, man, this is what we were created for. We were created to enjoy and walk with this 
the beauty of his glory. Um, and yeah, like you said, because of sin, that's all been fractured mm. and we can't actually experience it truly mm. in our sin. Yeah. Ben, and I love in your blog, you use the language of uh, refract and reflect. Mm. Um, and so for those of us who haven't been in a science class in like a couple of <laughs> years, I know what a reflection is. I see one in the mirror every morning or whatever, <laughs> but like refracting, like why, like what is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was played a little bit with the language, but the idea of us being made in the image of God and to give him the glory, just, I just had this idea of us, this picture of us, the church being like the moon to God's sun, the brilliant sun that the light you see at night, the, the moon reflects is the sun. And I thought that was a rather interesting way to, to mm. put it, that it's undeniable. When you go out on a clear night and you see a f- bright full moon, in a similar way, you grow speechless. It's, it's beautiful. Um, so to reflect, so uh, in trying to highlight the problem of sin and what it does is that to refract it's not an absence of reflection. Some of it is reflected, but refracting is trying to touch on the idea of when you, when you have a crystal in your hand and you put it up to a flashlight or a light and you slowly turn it, what happens? That the light, you will see even on the wall, that the, the light that goes through, that is reflected through, can be seen rather clearly, but the more you turn it, the patterns change, and it gets more and more split. So in, um, in scientific terms, or lab, laboratory experiments, a number of uh, scientists will set up different ways of blocking the light to see what it does, if it casts different patterns, if it mutes it, whatever it may be. Uh, so refracting is this idea that in our sin, we can desire to reflect but when we hold on to those precious habits, uh, things that are very close to us, uh, Pastor Andrew, you preached something very well a number of weeks ago on the sins that are very, very close, uh, pride and hypocrisy, that are the tougher stuff to deal with. The longer that we're holding on to those and we are proclaiming we're doing things for the glory of God and really our, our sins are just as strong, if not stronger, uh, that they will take the light we're mm. supposed to reflect and spin it ever so much so they see more of us than they see of God. And in our sin, we can encourage that to the point where we almost welcome their worship of us rather than worship of the Father, and that's mm. dangerous. Yeah, I, okay, that makes sense now. So in a way, it's almost like uh, instead of reflecting glory like back to God, like we absorb it or like try to keep it for like ourselves Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. divert it a little bit yes if if we can yeah yeah dude well that's super terrible news a little bit yeah i wish if that was the end of the story absolutely terrible i wish there was someone who could like save us hmm wonder (laughs) (laughs) and so in the next part of your blogs you you talked us through what is glory and then you talked about how jesus was like the perfect image bearer of god in a broken world um so what implications does that have for us how did jesus glorify god while on earth Mm. yeah that's a that's a great question as well uh that he there's such a powerful example that he sent for us to literally walk before us that we can study and really think about in, in comparison to ourselves what can we challenge ourselves to grow in today, the next week? And so uh, Jesus being 
so much, so crucial to the Christian faith and uh, the things that he fulfilled and came to do. Um, I thought that was a powerful thing to point to him as our example. And so uh, one one of the passages that came to mind, which I was stunned when I was studying it about how often it came up, but in, in hindsight and reflecting on this topic of God's glory, it made a lot of sense. So if we looked at, uh, at John chapter 17, it's something that a lot of Bibles will put as a little title. Uh, in the original text, there's no title. So imagine trying to decipher and break all this stuff up a little bit. But uh, it is titled The High Priestly Prayer. And this, is, this comes after an extended a period of, uh, of time where he is in the upper room still with the disciples about to depart to go to the garden of Gethsemane and to set all of those events in motion. This is coming still in the upper room where he spends some extra time with them, teaching them of, about the Holy Spirit, about the, what to expect from the world if you walk as a Christian. Um, you know, fear not, I have overcome the world. A lot of wonderful, rich teachings that John includes in his gospel. And so in, in chapter 17, you see the high priestly prayer as it's called. It is called that because earlier in the gospels, the, uh, the teaching that Jesus has where he goes over the Lord's Prayer. Many, many people, even non-Christians, know that prayer, and for good reason. It is Jesus himself teaching us how we are to pray. And so something special, something kind of neat in chapter 17 here in John is Jesus praying himself to the Father. And uh, we get, and the, those that were obviously able to hear it and record it later were able to have the blessing to overhear it but it was him with the Father. I thought that was rather neat. And so to take a look at it, glory is at the forefront of what he's speaking about. Hmm. So. Yeah. And you said, I think you mentioned that there's, it's mentioned like eight glorified glories, mentioned like eight times in this whole prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, things may perhaps differ slightly, depending on the translation. Uh, many translations that I did check, and uh, I, I do use ESV, uh, that they go through and use this, that similar word in the Greek where it's again and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, even from right from the beginning in, the, in uh, verse 1, that he spoke these words, Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, God, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. I was at the chief of, of um, what he wanted to get out. Mm. And uh, it kind of goes on with uh, verse 4, that I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Kind of a highlight of how did he glorify God? Well, he accomplished the work he was given to do. Following verse, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Uh, and that is part of the sacrifice of the incarnation is what Jesus took on, uh, taking on flesh, that for a brief amount of time, he was with us chiefly and apart from that, uh, from that community in, in the, the Trinity. And so it was, it was probably was a bit uh, different to walk without that, that every, well, they didn't necessarily have concept of a day, but just that walking in that glory. He was apart from it for a time to be with us. Uh, and so, yeah, it's uh, several different times. It's kind of going down of what it is that uh, is so important about glory that he mentioned it as many times as he did in this relatively 
short prayer. It was eye-opening to me. Mm. So we talked about a little bit earlier the kind of our responsibility to glorify God, right? And and how we failed at that and how we struggled to do that and how we want to steal that glory. In John 17 here, you see, like you're just mentioning, Jesus saying that he wants to glorify the Father, that he has glorified the Father in accomplishing the work that he gave him to do. Ben, why would you say, why is it necessary? You know, I'm thinking if if Jesus is God, why is it necessary when Jesus is on earth to glorify God or to glorify the Father here, as he says? Why did Jesus, why is it so important that Jesus came to glorify the Father? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it is something that can be hard when we, wrestle with the theology of it. Jesus is God. Uh, he's praying to the Father, and so why would he, would he be giving glory to himself? And I think some of our, our, our language and some of the thoughts we could trip ourselves up um, too much, I think. Uh, and so in terms of the importance of why he would give glory to God is that, that is, he is the only one deserving of that, that glory. And, uh, and the, the, the work was so vast and so crucial of what he came to do that if he accomplished it and he fulfilled the prophecies and went through that anyone who would look on it and study it and understand what he did was for them and respond to it with, repent- with mm-hmm. repentance and belief and obedience, that that transformed life uh, and every- all that follows that, that it just heightens mm-hmm that glory uh, to God. It's just that uh, that is no doubt what happened there, that God came and, yeah. uh, and changed. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, would, I would say it's got to be about something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah amen. I, I love that you mentioned that, that this was for them or even for us now, right? So we, where we yeah. see all the areas where we have fallen, where Adam originally sinned, where every other person has sinned, where you and I have sinned, not giving glory to God. It says here that Jesus came to fully do that. And like you just mentioned, Mm -hmm. he did that on our behalf because we never did fully glorify God. Um, He came and fully did that, yet still paid the penalty as if he didn't for Mm -hmm. us. And so, um, you know, that's the good news. Gabe, you mentioned a second ago, if if we had stopped this podcast five minutes ago, (laughs) that's terrible news because we are separated from the glory of God. Um, but yeah, we see here that Jesus came fully glorified God so that if we repent and trust in him, then that, like that full obedience is now ours. And God looks at us as if we have fully glorified him. Mm. And so just as he says here that he got to glorify God and and God glorified him, they were one, uh, before now we get to experience that oneness with God because of Hmm. Jesus's obedience. And so that, I feel like that's the great news here is that we were created for the glory of God, and now through Jesus' sacrifice and his obedience, we now get to do it again. We get to actually yeah. experience that glory now. For mm. sure. Mm. Yeah, and it's interesting because it comes in like, well, obviously this title probably wasn't here, the high priestly prayer. <laughs> but like a priest, you know, he was like the intercessor yep. for like the people between man and God. Mm. And Jesus mm. being like the better priest or like the full priest. Like, it's cool that he starts out talking about the glory of God so that we could participate in that. Yeah. Glorify God as we were meant to do before we started becoming mm. Ref- mm. reflectors 
refractors. Very good. Yeah. And I think the uh, one more thing, quick. I know we're beginning to kind of hone in on maybe some application for us today to end this, but I think one of the other things that is huge. I love in Colossians uh, one, Paul writes that the the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus. So as we talk about Ben, your sentence earlier, the uh, all of who he is, all of what he does, all the magnificence mm. and beauty. Paul would say all of that was in Jesus. Like he was the fullness of, of God was, it was dwelling in this man, Jesus. And for us, I think, well, I'll say this for me and maybe for our listeners, you, you would agree. I don't think I fully appreciate the fact that the fullness of God's glory and his presence dwelt on earth or that now his spirit dwells inside of me. But I think if you, as you read through the Old Testament, mm. there was all this separation, all these barricades to where people could not actually be in the presence of God. Um, and, it, and it was hard and it tore them apart and it was difficult because there was only, you know, all these rituals and all these select ways that maybe one high priest could go into the presence of God. And it was just so separate. Um, and just thinking about if you were living in that time, you would have longed for the day that the presence of God could be open and vast and how you could actually experience that. And then we see Jesus come as the fullness of God. And then even greater than that, he says he's going to send his spirit to be inside of us. And so now we have the presence of God. And so I just think, I I don't know that I appreciate that very often that this like abstract idea of God's glory and his presence and all of that. I don't think I fully appreciate day in and day out that I have that inside of me because the spirit of God lives inside of us, you know? And, and so, um, so I just think that's one of the things that, um, you, you kind of mentioned in, in your blog, but I, I just think is, uh, really impactful for me to know that the glory of God, the spirit of God, uh, his presence actually dwells inside of us, his people, you know, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's good. Pastor. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I think it is very good to have things in life that we come across, that are too much for us, mm-hmm. that we get challenged in school when concepts or language is tough to discern. We have to study, we have to dig in, challenge ourselves to grow. And so if things aren't too much, we can be complacent, get used to it, dismiss it. But yeah, I, I'm just so thankful, like you said, that there's enough for us to grasp and to walk out, but there's also a more than enough of God to say, wow, I am overwhelmed, thank yeah. you. Amen, yeah. amen. Hmm. That's good. Um, so to get a little practical, uh, Ben, there's a line in here that's very Susian. It's Dr. Susian. Uh, and you said, what can we do to fight against the distraction of refraction and to intentionally display the reflection of perfection? And that I think is that's a well word. That's a well sentence. word. Dude, that'll preach right there. You get a little two point sermon out of there. Oh, yeah. The distraction of refraction, <laughs> the reflection of perfection. Um, so how now that we know that like, Christ has died for us, given us his glory and righteousness and the Holy Spirit, the presence of God to dwell inside of us. Um, Ben, how, how do we glorify God on a daily basis? Like what, what, what do we do? Yeah, that, that is a great thing to wrestle with. And, and something that came to mind when I was going through scripture and studying, you know, the times that uh, God's glory is mentioned, certainly uh, his presence, uh, what, what impact what he does has on us. 
and uh, something came to mind with one of the parables, uh, the prodigal son. Uh, very, very good illustration of, I believe, a, a good starting point. We will get to some practical applications. By no means is it, a, it, is it an exhaustive list, but we'll have a few that we can cover. Uh, but I wanted to briefly go with uh, Luke chapter 15, where the, um, the parable is listed after, after the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, Jesus then also turns to um, something that might be a little bit more personal. It's like, I, I think I understand what you're getting at with the, with the coin and the sheep, uh, but then all of a sudden, well, you're including families. You're including lost people. You're including somebody that was so low. He was eating with and sleeping with, um, you know, at night the animals and, and was just wrestling with, okay, I have nothing more that I can give. I am, I am nothing how can I go back to my dad uh, like this? But I have no other choice, so I'll take a risk. And so there's such a clear picture of where we are as sinners. Uh, in our sin, when we really grasp what that is, especially before a just and holy God, that if that's the end of the story, it is, it is right for us to feel that same dread and despair because uh, sin is that separation. Sin fractures. Sin refracts instead of reflects. And so hopefully also in the parable of the, of the prodigal son, um, that hopefully part of our response is also the one of the younger son, where despite feeling all of that, he goes to the father. Mm. And just not too sure what he's going to receive, but he knows part of how he's made he knows to go in that direction. And what does he see? When he, when he comes in that direction, uh, he's, uh, he, says, uh, he says before he goes in, in uh, verse 19, uh, he kind of rehearses, all right, uh, you know, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He's just taking a stab at it at this point. Uh, Treat me like one of your hired servants. That would be enough for me. I can't, it's too painful to be away from you and too painful to have sinned greatly against you. I, I uh, Treat me like this and it will be enough. And verse 20, uh, he made the, he just said, this is what I'm going to say to myself. And he gets up, takes a deep breath. You know, when we all have done wrong and we know the parent is in the next room or the person we've offended and we take that deep breath and, oh, this is going to be a tough conversation, but you got to do it. So in verse 20, then he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And so you see this response of the father that not ignoring and not dismissing what you've done, but praising you and embracing you for your choice to go to him. And so in, in with the Christian response of going to him in repentance, open-handed and belief, saying, uh, oh, I'm a wretched sinner, will you have me? And the father embracing you and sending his son to die for us with rich, rich graces of yes, you're, you're, you're one of mine. So. Mm. Yeah, well, dude, that's good. I love it. So, um, yeah. So, in light of God's love for us, um, just like the prodigal son, uh, how can we glorify Him? You know, on a daily basis, like how do we? Um, yeah, not not in a way to like sort of earn our 
place in God's family, because we've already done that, but because we're part of God's family, you know, what are some, in your blog, you mentioned a few ways to uh, glorify God, just like daily practical things. Yeah, absolutely. I I, lo- I love practical application. It's mm-hmm. it's good to good to take these things. So I had a, I had a few things that I listed um, that I as I mentioned is not exhaustive. There's some great stuff in Scripture where this can be walked out. But here's several examples that I would suggest. First, uh, in John 14 verse 13, uh, speaking of this idea of let let us pray expectantly. And so what, the, what this verse says is whatever you ask in my name, this is a part of the, of the rather famous I am the way, the truth, and the life passage in John 14. Uh, he, he speaks in, uh, in verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Uh, so it's just this, uh, this idea of being able to pray in such a way. Um, often and with with this expectation i thought that was good to good to remember uh second uh, we had in first uh, corinthians 1 18 through 20 it's just this uh, reminder that you know it, you know andrew you spoke of the things that we can maybe not appreciate fully or despite our best efforts they seem to slip out of our heads or our hearts and we have to fight to remember and to keep them a part of our lives. This is something that uh, it's a good thing to remind ourselves of, that we are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that is a hefty price to pay, and uh, and he paid it for us. So Mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 18 through 20 uh, says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. What is, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Um, and it's a good reminder that uh, we need to come often to him and in, in his word for those things. And, uh, and quickly, uh, also in uh, Matthew five sixteen, is another example that I thought it was, uh, it's a good thing to also keep reminded of that we're with this language of refracting and in reflecting where we aim to reflect and we do our best to be mindful of when we're refracting uh, and uh, and because we want to reflect the glory of God and so uh, Matthew 5 verse 16 uh, part uh, after his beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount account uh, it reads in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven uh, and uh, lastly, for something that uh, may, may be a bit, uh, bit harder to, to swallow uh, or, or to wrestle with, but it's no, more, um, no less in value to, to think about and wrestle about, that uh, we are to be aware of what God's word says about all topics. And so this is the idea of embrace suffering for the sake of Christ. And this is found in 1 Peter uh, 4.16, among other places. But, uh, and this reads, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. And uh, mm-hmm. there, are, there are such rich examples to be found uh, all over the world. And uh, in, 
Global Friends, uh, one of the things that uh, Providence is a part of, on Sunday nights we host uh, scholars from China, and the things they face are not the things that we face. But something like this is is not um, not gleamed over at all. That uh, suffering is a part, a reality of our life as a Christian. But even then, in how we live that out and walk that out, we can give Him glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's really good. Yeah. Well, Ben, thank you so much for doing the hard work of. Um, yeah, just helping us to understand what the glory of God is, um, how Jesus perfected that for us, and how we can participate in that through um, obedience to Christ and following in his steps because he's allowed us to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, thank you. Honestly, mm-hmm. earnestly, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, and so, yeah, if you have any questions, Providence, I'm talking to you or listeners on the Internet. Uh, if you have any questions about this at all, or maybe there's... Um, yeah, some concerns or you just, you know, whatever it is, feel free to send me an email um, and we'd love to chat more about that. Uh, my email is gabej at providenceomaha.org. Um, let me pray for us and would God be glorified in all that we do at Providence? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Please. Yeah. Um, Father, please uh, help us to glorify you because Christ has, um, has freed us to glorify you, Lord. He's given us his righteousness and his glory. Um, so we can't help but glorify you in all that we do, Lord. Um, would you make us aware of that in our lives? Amen.